broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey everyone, it's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day today. Whether you're listening live or you've come back to check out the podcast, I really appreciate your investment in time. I'm all about helping your business grow more quickly, whether it's a solution that one of our guests provides or some tips that they might have for the business listeners that uh, come by to check out our show, or perhaps maybe uh, you're able to operate your business more efficiently through their solution so that more of the revenues drop down to that bottom line, making you more profitable. That's what I'm all about here for you. I'm really excited to bring you the guest that I've got today. He's a guy that I've known for over 10 years. Got to watch him go up through the professional ranks within General Electric uh, in their IT services department, uh, ultimately stepping into a high-level role with the MGM International Resorts out in Las Vegas as their vice president of corporate solutions in IT. They had just picked up a number of hotels and uh, through acquisition and were working their way through the IT headaches that can come along with that kind of growth through acquisition with their disparate systems running HR functions, billing, procurement, you name it, trying to tie them all together so that the new larger enterprise could begin to leverage its larger size for the benefit of uh, greater efficiencies with purchasing and other things. And he was able to successfully help them navigate that before getting back into Atlanta and bringing his expertise to the public sector. Several years he spent with the Atlanta Housing Authority and then moved over now here in the last year to become the chief information officer for the city of Atlanta. And I'm really pleased to introduce you to Samir Saini. He's a super interesting guy and, and, and talking to him before we went on air just now was sharing with me some of the very cool things they're working on to the benefit of everybody who lives here in Atlanta and um, just as importantly to the businesses that are here today and all, all of those that are considering Atlanta as a place to land either part or all of their corporate headquarters. Got some cool things going on, so I really appreciate him taking some time. He's a busy fella. Thanks so much, Samir. Glad to have you here. Yeah, it's it's uh, crazy busy, but I always have time for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> for you, Brad, I've got five. And so let's let's start back, you know, for the folks who aren't necessarily familiar with your background as it relates to information technology, kind of walk us through your professional progression and then, you know, talk about uh, stepping into this role last year. Sure. So let's see. Uh, I started, I didn't start in the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, I was born in in the private sector, uh, right out of uh, undergrad, in fact, joined General Electric um, based in Fairfield out of their headquarters office. Jack Welch was actually in that building at the time. Nice. Uh, had lunch, uh, you know, down at the, the employee uh, cafeteria with us <laughs> from time to time. Uh, but that's where I started um, working with G out of, out of headquarters. Uh, I joined one of their management programs. It was a, a two-year program. Uh, where they uh, you know, get on-the-job training, you know, solving problems um, and uh, um, doing all sorts of really innovative things you really can't do in a smaller organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other great thing about it is they, they trained you in things that you, you needed some training on. And, and the whole point of it was to groom you as a, a future CIO for um, a, a P&L or a business of GE. Um, so I was lucky to get into that program. Um, graduated from that and then uh, sort of worked up the the ladder right um, through GE for about ten years, so it was a it was a long a, a long time to be with one company. Yeah, it is, and but that's uh, impressive to do that to to stay with one enterprise for that long. Sure, uh, particularly in these you know days, uh, the climate is so different now. Right. Five years is almost like a long time. Oh, so. totally. I mean, you don't you really don't see that anymore. I mean, I see I'm hiring people all the time, and I rarely see 
a resume for someone that's been with an organization mm-hmm. for for uh, you know almost a decade. Um, but I guess you know closing in on the ten years with GE, work, you know, working up the ranks, um, I hit a point where you know, I started thinking, well, you know, do I want to do I want to do I should I look at other companies, mm-hmm. right? Should I experience different cultures? Do different things, um, or should I stick with GE? And I was this uh, this uh, phrase that GE people say it's a sort of a lifer GE lifer sort yeah. of mentality, and it's a ten year ten year mark. So if you uh, decide you're going to stay after ten years, you're there for life. Okay. Otherwise, you should just jump ship and try something else. Yeah. So uh, I jumped ship, yeah. <laughs> and uh, had an opportunity to move to Las Vegas. How did that come uh, across the bow? I don't remember how that came to you. So. Uh, there was a uh, a person I used to work with at GE, um, uh, an, an old CIO that took the CIO job at MGM Mirage. So one thing about GE is they they groom, you know, all these great IT leaders, future CIOs. Uh, often many of them leave GE and become CIOs, large sure. CIOs for big organizations, and in, in all in every sector you can you can yeah. imagine. Uh, so this uh, this person went over, uh, became the CIO for MGM. And then uh, gave me a call and said, hey, Samir, I, I got some issues uh, to solve here. Uh, MGM Mirage at the, at the time, this is 2000, uh, 2006, yep. MGM Mirage just uh, doubled in size. So they acquired Mandalay Resort Group, okay. um, which, was, which meant they acquired uh, Mandalay Bay, Excalibur, Monte Carlo, Circus Circus, tons of hotels. They're now the second largest you know, gaming company on the planet. And they had uh, a, some, a nightmare of of technology issues, especially on the on the back office side. So when we um, talk about nightmares mm-hmm. from information technology side of things, what what would an example be that would make somebody sure. in that role go, God, we got to just find something to do with this? That's a good question. So in this case, um, you know, MGM Mirage just doubled the company, so they had set something like seventeen uh, hotel casinos. But the problem was each of the casinos was operating independently of the others. Mm-hmm. So effectively, it was, it was really just 17 companies, mm-hmm. right, all under one publicly traded entity. And the, the technology issue, or it was really more of a business issue with a technology uh, you know, component to it, was that uh, the, um, the general ledgers, the financial books, um, the procurement activities, um, and the HR processes, um, they were all siloed. Whatever whatever enterprise software yeah. that they were using or application yeah. was different and unique from the other one. It talked a different language Completely. potentially. Now you know, so that's that's a mess you know in IT land. But from a business perspective, the ish, the the real problem was they were they were uh, losing all sorts of money, right? Uh, opportunities to sort of improve EBITDA, um, especially on the procurement side. So let me give you a, a scenario here. Okay, you'll have there was a case where you'd have uh, the Bellagio. Buying strawberries, for example, mm-hmm. right, um, at uh, from uh, the same supplier, right, as um, uh, that Circus Circus is buying strawberries from, but Bellagio is paying 30, 40, 50 percent more for the same strawberry. Does that make any sense? Doesn't make any sense at all, right? Uh, and in some cases, these casinos are right next to each other. So, you know, integrating the the systems, especially the procurement systems. And then leveraging the buy, right, um, to, you know, for the enterprise, for all casinos, had huge, huge savings opportunities. And those are the things that I really find intriguing about information technology. I think a lot of people just kind of think of it as computers and networking, you know, making my internet work. But those are the the types of problems that I Mm -hmm. think are so intriguing about 
IT, and 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 that's where I'm, I'm certain certain that that experience was really mm-hmm. valuable here. You came back, you were there, and you helped them do some of those things. Did you get them onto similar platforms across all I, enterprises? I or? did. It was uh, it was a challenge, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It was a big lift. Um, and you know, coming in, they wanted to implement one of the big ERPs, you know, the SAPs or the Oracles of the world, and we did the cost benefit, and it actually wasn't there. Uh, we so what we re- what we did instead was we integrated the uh, the legacy system they had because the legacy system was siloed by department. So we integrated the legacy system first um, uh, because the re- the reality is we could achieve the savings uh, just by integrating just by having one system rega- regardless of if it was you know shiny and, new. And or when no. you say Legacy system. By that you mean a system that is actually installed on the hardware and on the servers. It had, it lived right there. That's that. Yeah. Right? In this case, it was a main. It was a mainframe based system. Okay. And um, but it, it sort of proves the point that sometimes what's shiny and new and really expensive and marketed really well isn't necessarily the solution that's going to drive the outcomes that the organization wants. Uh, in this case, you know what the the you know the problem wasn't that we didn't have Oracle or SAP. The problem was we had multiple ways of doing something mm-hmm. and we needed one way to do it and we needed one system to control it and we didn't need a shiny oracle or sap solution to do that and so that system. spend turned out to be lower to get the equipment across all that's right and now all of a sudden you're able to say to your supplier hey we're this 13 hotel group right give us the price that's exactly right i mean when <laughs> I assure you it wasn't free, although we were negotiating. Sure. You know, we, had, we had Oracle, uh, I remember these meetings, it was crazy. We had uh, the CEO of Oracle and SAP coming to meet with us to, you know, nego- personally negotiate I would imagine. <laughs> you know, part of the, de- part of the uh, potential arrangement was um, to host their conferences in Las Vegas, yeah. right, and have some kind of mutually uh, agreeable deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, uh, you know... Fifteen million bucks, you know, to implement Oracle SAP is a lot of money, and if you can realize the same outcomes at substantially less investment, why not? Mm-hmm. So. And so then you were there. You helped them go through that process. Clearly, it's, it was a success and did very well. Um, you ended up here at the Housing Authority. How did that transition back to Atlanta happen for you? So after MGM Mirage, uh, I decided to take some time off. It took about two years off to backpack. Uh, through 32 countries. Uh, So I covered half of South America, Central America, and literally all of Europe, including the countries that a lot of people are too scared to go to. (laughs) What what would you say out of that experience was one or two things that really struck you? Did you have some aha moments there, paradigm shifts, things, ways of thinking that really... You know, affected yeah, you? I did. You know, I guess the first is there aren't a lot of Indians in Eastern Europe. Okay. <laughs> That's, uh, that was definitely a, an eye opener there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I could have been the only one right. uh, in uh, you know, the Baltics, right? you know, Ukraine, and all these other countries. But I guess the eye opener was um, that, you know, just living in so many different uh, cultures, right? Environments, we're all the same at the end of the day. We all do things the same way. Um, and, uh, there's just sort of a lot, a lot out there that I want to explore more. So it sort of gave me a taste for wanting to go back and, and probably spend a lot more time traveling when I, when I retire, hopefully 
early retirement. What a what uh, an extraordinary experience, though. That was yeah. really great, especially yeah. to be able to do so at a, at a nice young age. Sure, sure. And I, I guess the biggest takeaway was I decided that um, private sector is great. You know, I, I had to get a job, of course, coming back. Um, but I felt that working in the public sector should be could be something interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you could if you can have a job where you're you're helping the community at large. And still implementing, you know, innovative technology, which is, you know, my 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 core sort of interest. Mm-hmm. Then why not? Right. Uh, and so, uh, with that thought, I came back and took the CIO position with the Atlanta Housing Authority, and that was that was great because their mission is to deconcentrate poverty. I mean, who, I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and to leverage technology in ways to to accomplish that goal. So, I was with uh, the Housing Authority for about four years, uh, working on on their mission. Uh, made uh, all sorts of uh, uh, improvements in how they how they run uh, and how they serve um, low income families, um, seniors, and persons of disabilities. And it was it was a great experience. Um, coming out of that, uh, I had uh, I got you know, tapped on the shoulder to uh, apply for the CIO position with uh, the city of Atlanta. So that's that's how I landed here. Man, I mean, that's it's really awesome that that you were able to achieve what you have and to to be here in a. I mean, come on, wh- where's the city rank in terms of size? What is it, the fourth or fifth, something like that, around the country? So we are. So Metro Atlanta is the tenth. La- I think it's the tenth or now maybe ninth largest okay. uh, metropolis. Not bad. You're 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 uh, bat- you're you're batting CIO for <laughs> the ninth or tenth largest city in the United States. Not not a bad gig, and. Uh, you know, I'm interested to know, uh, we're, we're sitting down with the chief information officer and commissioner for the city of Atlanta, Samir Saini, a longtime friend of mine. Um, so w- when you started working with the, the housing authority, uh, you talked about the fact you were trying to use and leverage technologies to help, uh, you know, uh, decentralize poverty and, and, and kind of reduce it sure. to the extent that you can. How do you apply the technologies? Is it similar problems that you're trying to solve? What, to, to affect a problem like that or an issue like that, how do you sure. approach it from a technology standpoint? So at the city, it's everything's bigger <laughs> and far far more complex. Um, I felt like at the housing authority, there was a, a singular issue, and I can go very deep right, with IT, implementing IT solutions to, to do uh, um, what I could to, to help solve it. The city, just a sheer breadth Right of of activity that we uh, that and services we provide, uh, I have to sort of re- rethink uh, how I'm um, how I'm operating. It's I have to deal with the the breadth of it all, right, mm-hmm. and make sure I'm supporting every department, um, whether it be sustainability or public works or watershed or aviation, the airport. Um, it uh, it all falls under. It's only the busiest uh, the airport in the world. Right. <laughs> it's a, it happens to be. That's right. So, you know, the, the needs, I guess the challenge is that the needs of each of the departments are, are very different. Um, but ultimately, you know, the common thread across all of them is we're, we're here to serve right, our citizens uh, as best we can. And uh, from a technology standpoint, there's all sorts of great things I got on the plate um, that, uh, that I think every citizen, I know every citizen is going to, going to feel uh, every day. Um, and, and, uh, ultimately, it'll it'll benefit um, service delivery. They'll they'll improve the livability, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Right. Of, of so let's state. talk about some of those because there's some yeah. cool things that you're working on. Um, you know, talk about I, I, as I sat down and kind of prepared a little bit for 
our, our talk today, I, that was the first I had learned. Now, I, we discussed the fact that I'm now OTP, so I'm not <laughs> quite as cool as I used to be when I was in it's Midtown. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I work in Midtown, so I'm still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I learned that the, the city is now providing Wi-Fi services at uh, a couple of parks, Piedmont, right. of course, Grant Park, and some other locations apparently around the city, or at least are they're in the works. That's that's exactly right. We, you know, the the funny thing is we've had uh, public Wi-Fi at you know Piedmont and and Grant Park for quite a while. The problem is marketing. Um, no one no one knows it's there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was at the Dogwood Festival recently, uh, and of course I'm. You know, connecting to the Wi-Fi. You're like, Woo, right? I put this here. And, Whoa, that's and, awesome. You know, I connect, and you know, I see people <laughs> walking around struggling, trying to get a, you know, their cell connections are horrible, right? Right. Because you know, everybody's that's using it. Yep. Um, but no one knows there's Wi-Fi, so you know, I think it's it's a it's a PR issue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is actually going to get solved. But yeah, Wi-Fi is a big um, uh, in public spaces is a big strategy and priority for the mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, um, we have public Wi-Fi in the airport. We have it at some major parks. Um, we're going to have it at more parks going forward. Ultimately, we're, we're seeing um, Wi-Fi uh, uh, hotspots on the Beltline. Uh, and uh, we just launched Wi-Fi at City Hall uh, as well. Now, when we talk about an issue like providing Wi-Fi services, for example, going to the green spaces and mm-hmm. around parts of the city, why bother doing that? Well, I mean, at at the end of the day, it's I think it's it's a I think Wi-Fi is becoming um, a a service no different than water, right, or power, right. That's uh, that sh- just should be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it's going, right. When I talk to my peers, uh, CIOs in every other city, it's it's the same thread. Um, it's a utility, right, and it should be available to all. Um, you know. And obviously, the benefits are clear, right? If you, uh, depending on the cell plan you have <laughs> with your provider, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, you may want to jump on some Wi-Fi to save some, uh, you know, save some minutes, save some dollars, right? And I would imagine um, that from a business perspective, yeah. that there's got to be some measure of value to businesses in the area when people are sure. kind of drawn in, they're getting to interact and tell people, hey, I'm down at such and such a business. This right. is really cool. You got to come. Things like that. There's probably intangible effects that, that can be gained. That's absolutely right. And that's actually where it's all going. Right now, it's Wi-Fi for Wi-Fi's sake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's but, cool. It's nice. Right. It's, it's yeah. nice. But where it's going is once you connect to the Wi-Fi network, you are connected to the network, which means we can communicate with you. Right, and share information um, with uh, the city in particular, can share information with citizens in a way that we couldn't do before um, if you're connected to the, uh, to the broader network. Um, so I think we're going to see applications of that in all sorts of shapes and sizes that's gonna, that will be um, pretty, pretty interesting. Can you, can you give some examples potentially? Sure. So um, you know, a thought here is uh, at, the, at the airport, we'll use that one, right? Um, one uh, innovation that should be deploying out very soon is uh, wayfinding technology. So imagine you're at the airport, you're, you're about to catch your flight, and uh, let's say you, let's say you, it's your first time at the airport, you know, and it's a large one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can once you connect to our uh, our network, there will be uh, an application um, where you can navigate right your way through the airport turn by turn, and it identifies everything that's in the airport, every concession stand, every gate. Um, you are here. You want. Exactly, right? As if you were navigating, you know, in your car, right, using Google Maps, right? And if some, so if someone were to say, oh, I've got Google Maps on my phone, this is actually going to take that down now to the three-foot level, That's right. essentially. That's exactly right, in, inside buildings, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's going to be some great 
uh, technology there. Um, and just to name a, a few other sort of cool things that are that are coming. Um, I think the, the the big thing is going to be around. Perhaps the three big things is number one, traffic, mm-hmm. right? And we we talked a little bit about this uh, before the show started. We all know how much uh, we love, uh, you know, all the the traffic jams that that uh, we we inevitably hit right within this within the city uh, of Atlanta. Uh, part of the problem with uh, why that occurs is our traffic signals, right, are not synchronized. Yep. And so people uh, end up blocking the grid. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, one of the solutions that we're, um, we're going to be implementing is uh, laying fiber uh, around the city to deploy that sensors will be connected to to synchronize all those lights. Uh, a lot of major cities already have this, right, it's something that we're a little behind on. Um, that investment's going to come from the infrastructure bond that just got approved. Uh, the uh, $250 million. A piece of that will be just to solve this this traffic signaling nightmare that we're, we're dealing with. Have we got information, I'm sure we do on some level, about the productivity hit that we take as a metro from traffic, from people being late, from people being delayed, whatever you, it may be? I, you know, I, I don't know the statistic, but I, I mean, I've lived it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think many of us have, and it's... it's um, it's a it's a problem today, but I think the bigger matter is it's a it's a growing it's going to be a growing issue as the city continues to expand. You know, every two weeks you may be hearing about an announcement, right, of a, a new company, right, that's moving, setting up yeah, shop in Midtown. Several hundred or several right? thousand several, more people. Exactly, and that's that's not going to help the problem. Yeah, I think that's a, kind of it's the, a bittersweet the benefit, yeah. right? Uh, Kaiser, right, just announced yeah. you know about seven hundred odd IT jobs. Yep, right, that's right, down Midtown. at uh, like Georgia Tech. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We got NCR announcing that their global headquarters will be in Midtown as well. The, I think the announcements aren't going to stop. The growth of the city is going to continue to to um, expand. And the the traffic situation is going to become you know what's bad to, to, to a worse situation. So technology is going to be needed right to help support that. So that's just one one, one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is parking, right? I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired right, of uh, wasting time circling around trying to find a parking spot in the city. Uh, it's it's a pain, right? So there's got to be a, a solution for this, a technology solution. For and particularly this. now that we've got these cool meters that they're. You know, or at least in large parts of the city. Sure, uh, exactly. So, you know, the 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 first problem we want to solve is identifying where available parking spots are, right? Because if you don't know where they are, then you know, obviously, you're just going to be circling around. So, the thought is to implement technology very soon um, that would be installed on the various uh, lighting poles all over the city, and the lighting poles would have um, cameras that can identify parking spots. Uh, in their purview all over the city, and then relay the data to a mobile app where a citizen can go pull it up and see where their spots are. That's, that's you know, part of it. And then, of course, you can take it further with reserving the spot and even making payment, right, um, for the spot all via your mobile phone. That's where we're going, right? This, so I think, I think the parking issue, right, is, is um, soon to be solved, right, with some technology uh, solutions coming. Um, and uh, I, think the, I think the third, actually, we talked about, which is, uh, you know, general Wi-Fi, you know, services, Wi-Fi hotspots all over the city, um, you know, for citizens. So there's there's more we're doing, but I think those are things that I hear a lot from um, uh, from friends of mine around problems that they want solved. We're sitting here talking with City of Atlanta CIO and Commissioner Samir Saini, longtime friend of mine, and we're learning about some very cool information technology advances that the city is implementing that will benefit everyone here, including the businesses. And on the business side of things. Mm. 
are there opportunities? How, how much of this is public and it's all, it's our government departments and we're, we're running things, our experts and the engineers and the technologists and, and folks like yourselves mm. are all on the team versus interfacing with say an a, a private company that's sure. providing some of the manpower, some of the hmm. horsepower that you need to do some of these things. Are there opportunities there, or is it all from the city side? That's a that's a really good question, actually. So the the we have partners today, of course, right, that are helping us implement some of this core infrastructure um, and to solve some of the bigger issues, right, that are that are just really challenging. But the real uh, strategy that that I have, right, is to uh, very soon begin publishing data sets um, from all this great tech that we're going to deploy, the smart city tech is what they call it, mm -hmm. all over the city, sensors on everything, mm -hmm. and publish that data on an open data portal um, that's accessible to citizens and businesses and entrepreneurs to leverage and to innovate uh, and build their own apps, right, and market them and sell them uh, and help help really uh, fuel solve economic, economic uh, yeah. exact solve the problems and at the same time uh, fuel economic development and growth in the city uh, by empowering businesses to leverage information about the city to to uh, to to improve it and as far as interoperability within the departments, I mean, I don't know how many <laughs> departments there are in I'm a still city counting. like this. I'm sure <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I would imagine that much like you encountered when you went to MGM, mm. that there are similar issues to be faced across a major metropolitan area like this with so many governmental agencies. You talked about the airport. Right. Um, have we been making progress in terms of interoperability, tying them together so that those systems can feed information that we can ultimately use to make strategic decisions just like you did there? We have. We've, we've started. Um, but the truth is we have a long, long road to go. Oh, I'm sure it's uh, immense in terms of expend and execution. It is. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of something we just did recently. You know, we, we launched our 311 um, uh, service. So if you dial 311, it's non-emergency, right, line. Uh, if you uh, spot a, a pothole or a water main break or, you know, whatever it is uh, okay. in the city, you call 311. Wow. Uh, or you go to, our, go to the website, um, also available on a mobile on your mobile phone, and uh, you can log that service request, right, to have someone from the city deal with that matter. Um, that's That's been available um, for, I think, about six six months or so. Okay. Um, but one of the things we did to sort of glue things together was and we had our 311 service, right, and they were logging service requests, right? Let's say it's a uh, uh, it happens to be a, um, a, water, a, a pothole, right, on the street or a water main break, right? So um, that service request is logged, but then someone has to swivel their chair over right after they log that service request and then enter the work order, right? That's associated yeah, with that service request, one. yeah. Right into the system that would dispatch someone to go fix that uh, water main break or or, or mm -hmm. deal with that that hole. Um, that's a that's kind of a problem, especially when you have high volume, right? right uh, yeah, of requests. I can only imagine. So, as an example of, of connecting the, the dots, we we tied those systems together. So when you when you can. You can uh, be confident that when you log a service request at 311, it is automatically creating a work order uh, on the back end and dispatching someone to in the queue to go and, and repair that that is issue uh, in the city. Um, that's a baby step, yeah. right? But there's um, quite more we can do to, to expand and connect these systems. I'm really intrigued by big data, um, the, the, the ability, um, well, you know, uh, you know, Michael Connor, that's right. He yeah. works for a large local company and, and, um, has 
done some work in the space of big data sure. for the company where he works. Um, I watched his presentation uh, at a recent conference, and it was really cool. What they were able to do is major enterprise, global enterprise, sure. um, with uh, clearly, who knows, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of data points mm-hmm. about their enterprise from how well is this item selling in this area to this age range um, to you name it. Mm-hmm. And once they moved into a cloud computing structure or mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. They called it a data lake. All this information comes flowing in, but now they can. Now that system acts kind of like Google in a way. You can right. begin to say, "Tell me this." It, you don't have to know the question when you build the system. Mm-hmm. You can actually start to query all that information, and you can get extremely strategic. Mm-hmm. This item doesn't sell very well in Birmingham, so I'm not going to ship as much to Birmingham. I can ship it over here to Boise, where it sells like hotcakes. Right. Um, so, from a enterprise perspective, they're able to. I mean, they saved like $40 million. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, are there are there similar things that we're experiencing where we're starting to be able to have some of that kind of big data capacity where as a metropolitan municipality, we're able to now make some real good strategic decisions around information like that? That's that's right. We, we're, uh, that's on the roadmap. It's something that we're, we're beginning to do, in fact. So... Uh, the opportunity for, for the city to, to run more efficiently and to provide better services leveraging big data uh, capability is, is um, tr- unbelievable. Um, it's sort of at its infancy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still uh, right early. Now, yeah. in, in, the, in the public sector, yep. in, in local municipalities. I think I'm in the sure private cost sector, is a big part of that. I mean, it's, it's expensive. It is. It is. But I think, you know, my peers, uh, you know, the, the, the chiefs commissioners of you know, public safety divisions and public works and, and watershed, they think they all realize the potential here. Um, and um, of making better informed decisions by, by connecting dots that they couldn't connect before because they never really thought to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the technology is similar to what you explained. It's going to be, you know, data lakes, right? Integrating data sets from disparate systems mm-hmm. uh, in in a way where we can just do one quick search, one quick query, and see a wealth of information, right? That can help us um, improve public safety, yeah. uh, improve um, uh, how we how we uh, maintain the city, uh, you know, provide new services, perhaps, right, to citizens. I, mean, I think it's. It's uh, all on the table. So that's that's definitely moving forward. So when you're sitting here as the chief information officer for the city of Atlanta, and I know you're busy, so I'll, I'll wrap it up here with you real, real quick. But I'm curious, as it relates to trying to prioritize, what are we going to work on? <laughs> Where do we – I mean, because clearly one of the f- – fights that a city has to face, particularly one this size with so many things it has to do, mm. infrastructure-wise in particular and beyond, sure. how do you – how do you prioritize? How do you determine, okay, we, we, we've got these resources, we're going to tackle these problems right now, and then we'll move on? Sure. It's, uh, I, deal, I deal with uh, priority issues every, mm-hmm. uh, every hour <laughs> uh, in this job. Yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, you know, every department um, you know, believes their, yeah, of course. their uh, needs are priority one. So every day I have 100 priority ones. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what I, the challenge is, of course, you know, that's not because if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Um, I need to move some things around and really focus on the core. So for me, really, the, the true priority right now is uh, ensuring the reliability 
uh, in the security of the core infrastructure. That's the backbone of all this great stuff I talked about. None of it will, if, if we can't trust that the core systems and the network um, will be up 99.9% right, of the time and will be secure and protected from any breaches, then uh, the house falls, right? Um, everything you layer on top, right, is at risk. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the key priority. And there is a lot of work to do there, right, to get that core infrastructure where it needs to be. Um, but then, so that's priority one. Priority two is going to be all the great stuff I talked about in terms of um, civic enablement solutions, solutions mm -hmm. to improve the operational efficiency and effectiveness of the departments themselves. Um, uh, and the second thing is improving, um, starting to focus on the citizen and deliver solutions to citizens that are available for, for uh, uh, available anytime, anywhere, on any device. Uh, whatever service you need from the city, whether you're a business, right, and it's a it's a, a license, a permit, you name it, you can do it on your mm -hmm. device, right? You can do it quickly, and if it's not so quick, at least you'll know how it's going, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With status you updates on updates, a regular yeah. basis. So, um, focus on citizens. And then the third um, uh, that's a key item that's going to layer on top of this core infrastructure is smart city tech. Um, the stuff I talked about with uh, regarding sensors. Uh, and devices to improve traffic flow, to improve, um, you know, provide new services like parking, to improve uh, you know, new innovations like um, uh, smart lighting all over the city. Right, yeah. Right? I imagine that's huge. Uh, so I think, I think the core, to answer your question, is, you know, getting, the, getting that core infrastructure where it needs to be in terms of reliability security and then laying everything else on top. And every step that you're making here is yet another reason why the Porsches, the, the NCRs of the world want to be here in the city of Atlanta doing their business. We're, uh, you know, an inland port, obviously, and that's only increasing in its capacity. And, and right. um, you know, we had some folks from the, the logistics side of things here right. on the show recently. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really impressed to have you sitting here steering the wheel as it relates to the information technology in my city here, Atlanta. Um, it's, uh, it's been a great treat to have you join us here on the show and talk about some of the cool things that are coming. Many of the things I didn't even know about, so I'm really tickled to be able to share some of that with our listeners and, uh, and, and companies out there because we have been listened to globally. So uh, folks may have a better idea of what are we doing here in Atlanta to make it a great right. place to run your enterprise. Okay. So... Samir Saini, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, come and join us here on the program, man. This is a, a great opportunity. Thanks you, for having me. Did you have anything else that we needed to, uh, to to cover before we have to let you get back to the office? Actually, yes. <laughs> there is there is one thing. So uh, I've been in the role for close to eight months now, and uh, you know, one of the key things I'm looking to do is hire uh, a lead, uh, you know, some some key leaders. Um, within uh, the IT department to help help me move forward with a lot of the initiatives I just talked about. Um, so I just wanted to uh, talk about some of the key roles that are sure. out there and um, provide some some information on how to, if you're interested and you're out there listening, uh, any of these roles uh, sound like something you'd want to get into, um, provide some contact information to, to reach out uh, to me and see where it goes. So the, the first key role is I'm looking for a CTO, a chief technology officer, um, for the city of Atlanta. Um, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the work that we have to do to enable that smart city technology uh, hinges on having a rock-solid infrastructure and operations uh, organization. 
uh, rock-solid um, uh, private cloud, right, within our data center. And um, best-in-class uh, operational uh, operations uh, that can go head-to-head with, you know, any, any private sector uh, organization. I need a CTO to lead that. What's that person uh, look like professionally, you know, from a skill set? So I think, you know, CTOs typically, these are, these are the guys that know, know the hard tech in and out, right? They're traditionally coming from, uh, you know, network our server engineering backgrounds. Um, they could build and architect um, uh, infrastructure um, to support whatever an organization needs to do with it. Um, that's that's sort of the the, the core skill. Uh, but I I need a strong CTO to come on board and, and help me uh, with this with this uh, vision, right? This mission of of you know really bringing Atlanta to uh, into the the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's three other roles that I'm looking for uh, that are deputy CIO positions. They're basically exactly what I do, but focused on providing um, uh, support for a group of departments in the city. Um, the first one is a deputy CIO for what I'm calling public safety and justice. It is the, the, the IT leader who has whole accountability over serving the police department, corrections, um, the um, uh, fire and rescue department, and the entire judiciary arm. Um, there's a, that in itself is a lot, especially from a technology standpoint. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking for someone to just own um, that, uh, uh, you know, the IT strategy and delivery for those departments. Second one is a deputy CIO for what I'm calling city operations support. Um, this is the, the guy or girl that um, will lead the charge in owning IT supporting the support departments, uh, finance, HR, procurement, law, audit, these are, the, these are the departments that enable the lines of business, so to speak, to, to do their job and support providing services to, to citizens. Um, a core, core skill there is well, uh, uh, the Oracle platform. We're using Oracle EBS as our ERP, and we're going through a huge transformation in, that, in, that, uh, with, in using that environment and that system. We're looking for someone to help lead that, that implementation and lead that group and support those departments. And the third and last is a deputy CIO uh, for what we're calling asset and citizen services. This is, again, the s- same deal, but supporting the departments, um, uh, including uh, public works, parks and recreation, department of planning. These are the departments that provide services to citizens directly. Um, they also provide um, critical uh, infrastructure, right? Transportation, infrastructure, services, um, to maintain the city. Um, so these are three key deputy CIO roles that I'm, I'm looking for some, some great talent. So will they need to come to you from public sector already or, or a good private experience would work for you? I'm actually open to either. It's, it's, there isn't any, any preference. Um, I think sometimes it's good to have people from the private sector. Uh, in fact, if I didn't believe that, I shouldn't be in yeah, this that's job. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, either, either, is, either is great. Um, so if you're out there and you're interested in any of these positions, um, there's a email you can reach me at. It's ditmailbox at atlantaga.gov. Again, that's ditmailbox at atlantaga.gov. Or if you can call 404-546-7848. And it's 404-546-7848. That's awesome. I'm, I, I would be thrilled to death if somebody listened to our show and then came and, and uh, started serving you here in the city. So that would, that would be great. <laughs> I'll be uh, putting the word out as much as I can to, uh, to help you. Anything else that we need to, to let folks know about? 
I think that's it. <laughs> well, and Samir, it's been fun having you here on my show, and uh, I would love to have you back. It's uh, some very cool things that you're talking about. I'm sure there's plenty more that we just didn't have time to roll into today. So um, I would imagine more than a few people will be excited to hear some of the things that you're doing that are going to make their lives easier, safer, um, make their business run better, all of those things. So uh, very cool stuff and uh, much appreciated. Great. Thanks very much. Well, for all the folks out there that have been listening today, if you haven't done so already, make sure you link in with us on Facebook and Twitter. It's Midtown BRX on both Twitter and Facebook. We tie in with all of our guests so that you can get access to their information as well. Um, you can link up with the folks, of the course, at the City of Atlanta, as I already have and uh, learn more about all the different things that they're doing. Hopefully, we'll be talking to some folks from the other areas of the city of Atlanta to uh, share some more information about cool things that are going on here. So we're not talking about unfun news today. I like bringing out uh, things like this that show the the awesome reasons why you want to be living here and running your business in the city of Atlanta. So uh, to everybody that's been making us a part of their day today, make sure you hook up with us same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 